0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. How many of you men as boys enjoy playing with firecrackers and fireworks? Come on. I like blowing stuff up. I did as a kid, and I still do. I'm 52, and I still like blowing stuff up. But I have a a friend um, who worships on the Cornelius campus who likes to blow things up as well, and so he made me some firecrackers. Actually, there are many sticks of dynamite. About a big round is a quarter, and they're about four inches long, and you bore a hole, and you put a fuse in. And, um, and my son, Caleb, who's 17, you know, he's all boy. He likes to blow things up, too. And so we were taking these little mini sticks of dynamite out, and we were on the farm. We were blowing up stumps and just having a blast, you know, making the big boom and watching what would happen. But as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, so many times... In our lives, we don't connect expectation to the greatness of God. You know, this mini-stick of dynamite would not explode until the fuse was lit. So you would light the fuse and run like heck, right? They're like, get that way! But light the fuse and run. And when you lit the fuse, all of a sudden there was a connection of the fire, the fire to, the, to the power. And it was that that would bring this explosion of the dynamic. And I was thinking, you know, we want to be those who live in expectation. Because it's the expectation that connects us to the dynamic of God. If you never light the fuse, you don't get the boom. If we don't live in expectation, we miss the greatness of what God wants to do in our lives. So I encourage you as we come to corporate times of worship like this, not only on Sunday mornings, but in the Mondays and Tuesdays of your life, live in expectation, move in expectation, walk in expectation, speak in expectation. So our God is good, there's a dynamite, there's a dynamic of God, but we have to light the fuse. And for me, lighting the fuse is living in expectation. And when that happens, well, then we can expect the dynamic of God in our lives. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. Man, live in expectation of the goodness of God. And what I believe is God is good and He wants to bring His goodness right to where you live. And what we live in expectation of that. Well, this morning, Lisa's on vacation. Uh, We sent her and Kurt away for a little vacation time, well-deserved. So I get to do the announcements today. And the challenge is, is I don't know what's happening. I'm supposed to be leading this thing. and I have a couple ideas. There in your worship guide, there's all kinds of information. You can go to our website as well and check that out. Three things I want to highlight for you. We have our Missions Barbecue happening on the 27th. You can actually order plates, and they'll be delivered here from four to seven on the twenty seventh with our missions barbecue We're supporting individuals from our grace covenant family who are who are going either to New York City to line fort Kentucky Nicaragua. We're working on puerto Rico there's some needs in Puerto Rico uh, that we're trying to discern. Do we have a role to play? So maybe Puerto Rico, but the, as we buy the barbecue play, not only do you get to enjoy some wonderful chicken, but you're helping send individuals from Grace Covenant to the mission field. So you can get information out the information center this morning. Um, secondly, we have our Life Without Limbs coming up on April the 29th through May the 4th, six nights. Um... Someone can do the math for me. I'm, I'm okay with theology, not so good with math. 1,300 people times six is what? A lot. <laughs> so we already have a lot of folks coming. Actually, the event is sold out. Uh, we've given away all the tickets. We have overflow, so we still could have people come to overflow. But to think about over 8,000 people over six nights are going to hear the gospel message. It's going to be phenomenal. So I would encourage you be praying with us. Because we don't want to just have an event where people who already know God come and are entertained. No, we want people who are far from God to come to know God. So be praying with us uh, about this event coming up. The last thing I wanted to mention, we have Grace Track. It's a four-week class on who's Grace Covenant, how can you grow in your faith, how can you find your place to serve. All of that happens with the Grace Track. We have a next class beginning on May the 6th. And again, information at the Information Center um, if you need to know more about that. I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come. We're going to give you an opportunity to worship the Lord in your giving. Lord, we thank you today for your generosity. Your kindness, God, in so many ways, so many ways you've been good to us. doesn't mean we we don't have challenges or struggles, but God, you're you're faithful. And so we just, oh, we began by saying thanks this morning. Thanks for the ways that you have blessed us. And Lord, today we bring our our tithe, our offering, God, it's a statement of our trust. It's our act of worship, God, be honored as we give. And Lord, I pray today for those who may be in a, a challenging place financially, maybe they need an opportunity um, a job opening, God, I ask that you would meet them at their point and place of need as they put their trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can look with me to the Gospel of Matthew, easy to find, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13. You can grab the sermon notes there if you like. I want to begin this morning with this question. How many of you would say... That your mouth has got you into trouble. Singing thing in the past, how many of you would say your mouth has got you into trouble? If you're not raising your hand, you're living deceived. <laughs> we often find ourselves in challenging places, difficult places. We find ourselves in trouble because this is what happens: we engage our mouth before we engage our brain, and then the words, the words are out. And that's the challenge with words when they're spoken. It's not like you can grab them and like. Get them back in your mouth, right? Like you can't retrieve the words. It's kind of like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube after it's out. I mean, you you can't do that. I don't know if you've tried it or not. I'm here to tell you you can't do it. But it won't go back in. It's the same way with our words. Once our words are out, um, either they're going to be lifting or they're going to be damaging. Um, The power of words. I think we we probably all have experienced... like speaking words of affirmation or encouragement to someone and to see the life it gives them. It's almost like you can see their countenance change just by the words that you speak. We've also seen the experience of what happens when we've spoken words that that cut or words that hurt or words that injure others. It's like we can see the life go out of them all through the words, the words that we speak. On the other side of the coin you've been the recipient of words that have brought life for you where individuals have said something that was encouraging or life-giving or they shared a scripture with you and what wow it was like such value added to your life but for every one of us in the room today we've also been the recipient of words that cut and words that injure and words that can detrimentally affect us For years to come. That's why we're spending two weeks talking about this, my big fat mouth. Pastor Michelle was here last week. She brought the first part of this and I'm doing the To Be Continued, the second part of it. Because What I know is this, the words we speak can bring life or death. The words we speak can help or hurt. The words we speak can set us up for success or they can keep us from success. The words we speak have such power. This is what I'm confident of today for everyone in the room. We could have better relationships. We'd have better marriages. If you're a parent, you could be a better parent if we could all better control the words we speak. Just that one area of adjustment. If you could elevate your words, your marriage would be healthier, your parenting would be better, and all of your relationships would be healthier and thriving simply if we could control our big fat mouth. the words we speak. That's the power, the power of words. In 1866 so I'm going back in time in 1866, there was a pretty amazing invention. Any history buffs know what happened in 1866. It was Jennifer, There was a gentleman by the name of Alfred. Nobel, who invented dynamite. It was in response to his brother. Two years earlier, his brother had lost his life as a result of nitroglycerin because at that point in time it was the nitroglycerin they would use, which was very unstable, mishandled, misused, boom, people lose their lives. Well, his brother, his younger brother, had died two years earlier, and Alfred set out to figure out how could we take this dynamic chemical, nitroglycerin, and bring a stabilizer that would make it safe to use. And he did. He created 1866, created this this compound, this chemical known as dynamite. And think about 1866. That was in the time of development. So roads are being built, um, tracks being laid for trains to run on dynamite became um, really effective in like removing the mountains so that roads could go through, so that, that the railroad could be developed. I mean, pretty significant. So this invention that Alfred Nobel came up with was for great progress and great good, for the benefit of our nation. But on the other side of the coin, if this new product called dynamite ended up in the hands of the wrong people, Be very destructive. It was used in war. It was used in the taking of life. I was thinking about this invention, 1866, that Nobel came up with. I thought, wow, as dynamite can be for good and for progress, but can also be very destructive, wow, that sounds a lot like our mouth, doesn't it? For progress, for benefit, for good, or for destruction. Look at there to your notes this morning. We were created by God with access to an internal explosive power that can construct or destruct. The number one reason for relational discord in divorce today has to do with the tongue. Because there's no way around it. Our words are powerful. Dr. Tony Evans, one of my favorite communicators, says it well in his book, Watch Your Mouth. I have the quote there in your notes. He says, You have dynamite in your dentures, judgment in your jaws, and power in your palate. Your words can bring life or death. He's pulling off the verse in Proverbs 18:21. We looked at this last work. This, we looked at this last week. in Proverbs 1821, Solomon wrote these words: "Words kill or words give life." They're either poison or fruit you choose. but we get to choose. Are we going to give life? Are we going to give death? Are we going to give poison? Are we going to give fruit? Well, Jesus, Jesus certainly understood the power of words. And he addresses this in Matthew 13. He addresses not so much words. Actually, Jesus goes deeper. Because what Jesus realizes is that the problem is not the tongue. The problem is the heart. The problem is not the mouth. The mouth is only the fruit of what's coming out of the deeper root, being the issue of the heart. So let's read what Jesus had to say about the power of words and where those words come from. Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 33, it's, the text is on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Jesus said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers! How can you, who are evil, say anything good? Notice what he says: For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline that phrase. Pretty significant. See, this is out of the overflow of the heart. It's there your words come. Verse 35, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Notice, every careless word. In other words, your words carry great weight. Verse 37, Jesus went on to say, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words... You'll be condemned. So here in this passage, Jesus uses an illustration of a tree to reveal the source of our speech. He reminds us that a, that a good tree will bring about good fruit. A bad tree will bring bad fruit. So if we find a, a tree that has good fruit. We could assume that the tree is good, right? If the tree has bad fruit. We could assume that the tree itself is bad. So Jesus says here, your heart is like the tree and the words that you speak are like the fruit of that tree. You know, Jesus is telling us that, that the fruit of our mouths, our words, will always reflect what's already in our hearts. Notice what he said. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So what does that mean? It means this. If you have profane speech, really there's a deeper problem. You have a profane heart. If you have a tendency to be given to gossip, what does it mean? It means you have a, the heart of a gossiper. If you have a tendency to slander others, what does it mean? It means you have a slanderer's heart. He says our words are the overflow of what's the reality of our... So oftentimes what we try to do is we try to control our mouths. And you know you can be really disciplined. So I'm going to work really hard at it. I'm going I'm to do good at this. And you do good for about a day and a half. And then what... You know the words slip. You find yourself saying things that you didn't want to say. Someone else gets injured. It's like, what happened? What happened is this: you didn't deal with the root of the problem. And the problem's really not with the mouth. The problem's with the heart. If we're going to fix our mouth, we have to fix the heart. But Jesus said, "Words come out of the overflow of of what's happening." In our heart. So, from the words of Jesus here, I I want to give you three truths about our words. Three truths. The first is this you'll be recognized by your words. Notice in verse 33, Jesus said, A tree will be recognized by its fruit. So, think about this. If you see a tree and the tree has apples on it, what do you call that tree? tree. An apple tree, right? You're so smart. Why would you call it an apple tree? Yeah, because it has apples on it, right? If you saw a tree and that tree had peaches on it, what would you call that tree? Not a trick question. They call it a peach tree, right? You wouldn't call it a plum tree or a strawberry tree. No, you'd call it a peach tree because it has peaches on it. The tree is recognized by the fruit. So Jesus said, you'll be recognized by the words that you consistently speak. So our words identify us. Now, let me share two stories with you. I think that brings this truth really to light. Two different individuals in my life, and I'm, I'm using different names so you'll not be able to connect it to these individuals. But I have one gentleman who calls me every week. Pharaoh, how are you doing? How's your family doing? want you to know I love you, praying for you. Anything I can do, just let me know. Every week he calls me. Let me tell you what that man is for me. He's a life giver. He gives me life. He speaks life. He adds value into my life. Do you think I'm attracted to him, or do you think I try to avoid him? (laughs) Obviously, I'm attracted to him. Why? Because he is a life giver. There's a second gentleman... And I'm going to call him Elvis. We don't have any Elvises in the room, do we? It's a pretty safe name to use. I'll call him Elvis. When I'm approached by Elvis, I know one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to say something critical, or he's going to brag about what he's done. One or the other. Something critical, or he's going to brag about what he's done. Let me tell you what that gentleman is for me. He's a life drainer. He drains life out of me. So here's the question. Do you think I'm attracted to him or do you think I avoid him? I know I'm supposed to be a pastor and I shouldn't avoid anyone, but I do. I avoid him. Why? Because he drains life out of me. So for these two gentlemen, they are recognized by their words. What Jesus said is true. Not only true of these two gentlemen, but it will be true in your life. You'll be recognized by your words. So do you want to be a life giver or a life drainer? So think about your marriage. Think about your children, your grandchildren. Think about your relationship. Do you want to be a life giver or a life drainer? Jesus says you will be recognized by your words. Here's the second truth that Jesus gives us about our words. You'll be revealed by your words. Not only recognized, but you'll be revealed by your words. Now, I've already spoken about this a little bit, but notice what Jesus said at the end of verse 34. He says, for out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. So our, our words actually reveal what lies deeper within. So if your words are consistently constructive and healthy and building, what does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit has been transforming your heart. And out of a good heart, there comes what? Good words. If you, have a, if you are consistently speaking words that are destructive and cutting and attacking... What does that reveal? It reveals that you have a bad heart. You have a heart that needs to be refined by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said your your words would reveal you would reveal the reality of what's happening in your life. So the problem really is what with our heart. And words words only reveal what's deeper within. Not only do words reveal our heart, but Jesus goes on to say that we, that. Each of us will be responsible for our words. If you look back to verse thirty-six and thirty-seven, Jesus said this that we're gonna to have to give an account. In other words, we're gonna be responsible for every careless word we have spoken. So in the day of judgment, you're gonna to have to give an account. So you listen, hear me, friends. You can't just go blow somebody up with your words, walk away and think everything's okay. Not only have you created injury for them, but listen, you're going to have to stand before God to give an account for your words. Listen, words are weighty. And if we understood the significance of words, we would in a greater way address the issue of our heart that's bringing about the words that we have. You see, we... Satan, who's the father of lies, wants us to believe that whatever we say, you know, our words just evaporate into space. It really has no lasting effect. I'm telling you, that is such a lie. Not only do your words have lasting effect, either negative or positive, but again, Jesus said you're going to have to give an account for your words. So you're going to be responsible for your words. So there's no way around it, folks. Words are powerful. You mean life or death, they can. They can bring help or they can bring hurt. So I want to conclude really quick. i got about eight minutes left, and I can do this in eight minutes. I, I, want, to, I want to give you some points of application as to how you can bridle your tongue. How can you, how can you better address the issues of the heart that's really the, affecting the words that you speak? So three, three things. The first is this. I would suggest that you pause and create some space. Before you speak, before you open that big fat mouth of yours and say something that's that's cutting or hurting, pause and create some space. See, oftentimes we... We um, wrongly react rather than rightly respond. And let me tell you why we wrongly react. We're ruled by our emotions and we don't create a pause. We don't create space. And we say the first thing that comes to our mind and usually it's the wrong thing. Because we didn't pause. Because we didn't, we, we didn't create some space to think about, okay, how do I need to respond? How do I need to speak to my mate? How do I need to speak to my child? How do I need to speak that? To, to create a pause. Yeah, there's a parenting technique. Maybe for some of you, you, you've used this before. It's count to ten, right? Uh, one, two, three, four. Well, you're creating space. You're allowing your mind to get in a kind of a right place before you address the situation. So pause. Create. So one of the things I've discovered in my own life is I've put this principle to work, I don't have to apologize near as much. I don't have to go to my wife, my children, my closest circle of relationship, the staff that I work with. I don't have to go, not that I get this completely taken care of, I'm still working on it, but I don't have to apologize as much and I don't have to ask for forgiveness as much because in this pause, in this creation of space, Gives me time to reflect, which brings us to the second suggestion. We want to pause and create space. The second is we want to ponder and engage the brain. Ponder and engage the brain. This word ponder is not a word that we use a lot today in our English vocabulary. It's not like a common word just in our day-to-day conversation, but it's a good word. The word ponder means this. In Webster's dictionary, the word ponder means to weigh your words. To weigh your words it means to reflect on, to think it through, to ponder. That so we want to ponder as we as we engage our brain. The problem for most of us is that we engage our mouths before we engage our brain. So when we take this time to ponder, to weigh our words, to engage our brain it can really help us be constructive in how we speak. Pastor Robert Morris, in his book, The Power of Words, makes this statement. Listen as I read this. He says, essentially, there are four types of people in the world, and you're going to fall into one of these types, four types of people. So listen as I read the list, four types of people. The first, those who think before they speak, those who think while they speak, those who think after they speak, and those who don't think at all. So obviously what? We want to be those who think before we speak to engage the brain. You know, James 1.19, 119, the scripture says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The challenge for us is we get that verse twisted. We get it backwards. And we're slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. We don't ponder. We don't weigh our words. And in the pondering, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. To ponder. And a few weeks ago, I had a situation in our home. Our son, Caleb, 17. Um, any of you raised teens? Okay, so you're going to get this. 17, our son did something really foolish. Um, And what frustrated me more than his foolish act was how he was responding to his foolish act. Disrespectful and and disrespect makes me hot quicker than anything. So there was a foolish act, there was the wrong response, and I blasted him with a barrage of words. And as I was speaking the words, it's almost like I could see him wilt because of the power of my words. And as I turned and walked away from the conversation, I probably didn't get five steps. to The Holy Spirit convicted me just like that, and said, "You took a teaching moment and turned it into an injurious moment." It's like I, I knew. I mean, my, what what my son did was wrong. How he responded was wrong, but my response as the parent was even worse. I knew what I had to do. I And I did. I went and apologized to my son and asked him, will you forgive me? What you did was wrong, but how I handled this was even worse. And he gave me grace. But I thought, if I would have paused and pondered, I could have seized the teaching moment rather than making it a place of injury that I had to then try to recover from. The value of, of pondering to engage them. so we want to pause to create some space. We want to ponder to engage the brain. Here's the third suggestion I would give you: pray and engage the Holy Spirit. Engage the Holy Spirit to bring God. Engage the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring transformation of the heart, because the words flow out of the heart. The Holy Spirit transformed my heart so that out of a good heart there can be good words. You know, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, not only empowers us to live victoriously, but if you can think of it like this, the Holy Spirit is our coach. You ever have, in high school or college, did you have a great coach that maybe influenced your life? Yeah, Two of us, three of us. I, I had a coach, his name was Coach Koning. Remember, I mean, and this goes. Wow, been a while since I was in high school, but I remember just as clear today as as the day I had. Happened. I mean, he was an encourager. He was a motivator. He helped me believe in myself and what I could be and what I could do, not just about sports, but about life. Well, he's a coach, a motivator. If you think of it like this, the Holy Spirit is our coach, helping us say the right words at the right time. In the right way. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying to you keep your fat mouth shut. Sometimes he says that too. Because sometimes the best thing you can do is not say anything at all. But it's the Holy Spirit that brings coaching, that brings guidance, that brings direction. In John 16, 13, what Jesus said, he says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Coaching you in what to say. You know, James, in James chapter 3, verse 8, the scripture says that no man can tame the tongue, and that's right. In and of yourself, left to yourself and your own humanity, you can't tame your tongue, but the Holy Spirit can help you. Because He's the helper, the coach, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us. So we want to pray. So we want to, we want to pause. We want to ponder. We want to pray and engage the Holy Spirit. And as you're praying, There's a couple great verses of Scripture to pray. Listen, don't just read God's Word. Pray God's Word. Live God's Word. Allow it to become a a part of who you are and how you're processing life. But as we're thinking about praying and engaging the Holy Spirit, here's a couple verses of Scripture that are great to pray. The first one is Psalm 141, verse 3. Let's read this. Would you read this with me? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So how I would pray this is, Holy Spirit, help me set a guard over my big fat mouth. Because it has a tendency to get me in trouble. Holy Spirit, help me keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, that would be a pretty good prayer to pray every day. Set a guard over my mouth. Now here's a second great verse of Scripture to pray. Psalm 19:14. Let's read this one. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in Your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So I would just pray, Holy Spirit, help me that the words of my mouth might be that that brings honor to God and adds value to others. To my mate, to my children, to the peers, to the folks I work with. God, may You be honored. Holy Spirit, help me. Refine my heart because my words are coming out of the overflow of my heart. Holy Spirit, refine in me that my words might be pleasing to God. To pray, to to, to engage the Holy Spirit, helping you speak words that bring life. So how can we we bridle our tongue? And I tried to state this as a way that hopefully it will stick in your mind. We want to pause, we want to ponder, we want to pray. Pause to create space. We want to ponder as we engage the brain. We want to pray and engage the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, I'm telling you, if you're married, your marriage is going to get better. Guarantee you. Why? Because you're going to be speaking life to your mate instead of death. Your children, they're going to thrive. They're going to thrive in a in a in a healthier environment. Why? Because you're pausing and you're pondering and you're praying. As I said earlier, I'm convinced every relationship at every level will get healthier and better as we learn to pause, to ponder, and pray, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in the words that we speak. Because again, your words, my words, we've got to understand this they have the ability to give life or death. Your words are poison or fruit, it's your choice. It's your choice as to what you give to others. So I challenge you, be a life giver, not a life trainer. How many of you know we need help with that? Come on. Holy Spirit, we ask today, hands lifted to you. We're simply saying we need help. What we know is our big fat mouth can get us into trouble. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us. Holy Spirit, that you cement these three words in our minds to pause, to ponder, to pray. May it not just be three words that that we grab a hold to, but may it become how we, Lord, begin to process life so that, Holy Spirit, you can refine in our hearts so out of the overflow of a good heart will, be, will come good words that build health into marriages, health into our children, health into our peers, to Lord, to this congregation, to this community that we would be life givers, not life drainers, through the Word Words we speak, Holy Spirit, what I know is tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to need help with that. So we just say, Holy Spirit, here we are, help us, set a guard, set a guard over our lips. Holy Spirit, help us that the words of our mouths might be that that bring honor to God and give life to others. Lord, I pray that not only for myself, but for all of my friends in the room today, because what I know is we all need it. Help us, Holy Spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.